Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we get to hear from the indie rock goddess <laughs> that is Tanya Donnelly. Now I think everyone knows Tanya's story, but in case you don't, here's a quick history lesson. Not only is she a an important figure in American indie rock uh, history of, on her own accord, but she was a founding member of three of the most important female-fronted indie rock bands of all time. The first being Throwing Muses, which she did with her stepsister, Kristen Hirsch. She was in that band for a little while. Then she jumped ship and she joined the Breeders in the early days with the Deal Sisters. And eventually she left that band and she formed her own band, Belly. They came out huge. Remember this song right here, Feed the Tree? I think everyone remembers this one. Anyway, they last a couple albums and then she's been doing pretty much her solo career ever since. Now, we talk about this. We talk about why why so many bands? Why are you there at the beginning and then why do you leave? Is there like an artistic restlessness there? Is there drama? Turns out it's not a juicy story at all, to be honest. Now, speaking of her solo material, she just put out a brand new album, which is a collaboration with a folk trio called the, named the Parkington Sisters. Maybe you know who they are. Anyway, this is a covers album and it is beautiful. And because the Parkingtons are so into folk, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of strings. There's a lot of upright bass, or at least that's what I'm imagining anyway. There's acoustic guitar and it includes covers of everyone from like Paul McCartney to Echo and the Buddymen. It's gorgeous stuff. And we have a giveaway regarding this album that I'm going to tell you about at the end. So listen up for that. We also get into other stuff like just, you know, being a mom, being a rock star. How do you pay your bills? What was it like when you were the first American band in Throwing Muses signed to the 4AD label? 4AD, I mean, those guys are legends. So we talk a lot about that and her interactions with band, everyone from the Pixies to the Cocteau Twins to you name it. She came out of that Boston scene with other bands like our former guest Bill Janovitz of Buffalo Tom. So we get into that a little bit. Anyway, it's kind of a wide ranging conversation and uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to get to know Tanya a little bit. And what it's, what's it like being a mom, being a, a rock mom that's a rock star, you name it. Okay? Anyway, hope you enjoyed this. Stick around to the, for the end so you can hear about the giveaway. She called me from her home in Boston. Are you good? Yes, I am. I'm okay. Good. By the way, it's funny you mentioned um, not being out. Uh, no one's ever mentioned that before. One of the people who did ask me to cut something out is Bill Janovitz. A couple years, he was on here about two and a half years ago, and we mm -hmm. were chatting, and I was saying, you know, you're a Boston guy. I would think Mark Marin would want you on his show. He's a Boston guy, too. And Bill said, well, actually, that's in the process of being scheduled right now. And I was, great, great. And then afterwards, I think he was worried about jinxing it. So he said, would you mind just right. cutting that part out, you know? And, just in uh, case. <laughs> right. And so it ended up our interviews came out almost around the exact same time. But so, yeah, that's the... Uh, that's another story. And I know you're connected to Bill as well. I wanted to ask you about that in a minute. Yeah. 
So, yeah, and I actually worked with Mark back in the day too. We were yeah. co-workers at a Now you've been on his show too, right? Yeah, I have. Yeah. I'm sure I heard it when it came out, but I don't remember. I, at the time, I didn't know that I would be interviewing you eventually. So I don't remember all the details, but uh, I'm a pretty avid listener. How do you know Mark Maron? Um, we worked together at a sort of um, health food deli in Brookline, Massachusetts really? <laughs> a long time ago. Oh, my gosh. It was <laughs> me and Mark and Salem 66. Really? <laughs> all uh, worked together. No there. way. <laughs> Now, were, yeah. you, uh, were, you, were you both professionals? Was he a working comedian and you were a working musician at that time? I mean, somewhat, yeah. Okay. At some, I mean, yeah. Okay. Yep. That's wild. In our own, yeah, whatever professional meant. Back uh, right, right. <laughs> Where are you now? You still in Boston? I'm in Massachusetts. Yeah, I am. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, good. Okay. Permanently. <laughs> Permanently, really? Yeah, yeah that's, your, that's your that's the place where my people you. are. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yep. I can see that. Yeah. Okay, I, I, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but I feel like I feel like we should start with the new album because I have. I first of all, I love it, and I probably shouldn't say this. It might be my favorite album you've ever been a part of. To be honest, wow, I know, and I'm probably it's, not supposed well, to say that. I mean, that first Belly album is so great, <laughs> and your first solo album is so great, and there's been moments on all these things. But as a whole, I might do okay. this new solo album more than all of them. Quiet now, still up night inside. That's the Parkinson's magic, and I would advise anyone listening to to find the, the Parkinson sisters because um, I, I could, this entire interview could just be about them. That's how much I love them. Good. Okay, so that's it. that was my point. I unfortunately have never heard of these people. I didn't know who they mm. were, and I look them up, and there's not even a ton of information like on their website. This appears to be, I don't know, is this the first thing they've done? And if it is. How did you two come no, together and decide not. this no, no, was the no. right they thing? Have, they have a very loyal, sizable following. They just sort of, they pick and choose what they want to do. And mm. they're very, they're very good at life. I'll yeah. put it that way. Okay. <laughs> wow. They make beautiful music. They make great choices. They have their, all of their priorities in perfect check. How like, did you two even come just, together? Because you've been retired, I believe, for a while, right? I've been, you know, Billy made an album mm -hmm. and we've done a couple of tours in the past few years. Mm -hmm. And I've made solo albums for years. 
So no, we've been, I've been pretty I, I've been pretty thoroughly active. I took a a break in the early 2000s for a okay. few years, but otherwise I've been working pretty consistently. But no, the, the, I mean I think the most active I've been recently is the Belly reunion album and then yeah. the tours that we did. Okay. Okay. Around that have been pretty pretty nonstop. Okay. Yeah, I uh, I I read I thought somewhere that you had or but then I see the reunions and I see you know stuff trickle out here and there and I'm thinking boy that's that's quite a retirement I mean she still seems really busy and I know that there's a I know there's a real call for your music especially the belly stuff and so I didn't know where you stood mm -hmm. these days so t but going back to the to the sisters how did you guys mm -hmm. meet and how did you come up with this idea tell me the whole story. So I, originally, I met them through every year I do a benefit called Hot Stove Cool Music uh -huh. in Boston, which is something that Peter Gammons and Theo Epstein mm. originated. And so Nora, one of the one of the Parkington sisters, had played that a couple of times with us, and then I just sort of from there started listening to them mm. and just fell in love with them their albums but also just live they're mm. just it's they're an extraordinary live band they have just have that sort of first of all they're all just incredibly proficient musicians and they have just that sort of combined sister throat mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thing going on yeah, when like they sing together yeah, yeah, it's just, um, it's beautiful to hear it fills the room. So when Joe Spadaro from American Laundromat came to me to ask if I would be interested in doing a covers album, mm -hmm. initially I sort of, you know, I I said no initially, and mm -hmm. then thought, well, if I farmed this out to the parking, <laughs> then it would have like a cohesive, yeah. beautiful sound and instead of just being sort of a hodgepodge of different songs so that was my that, that's that's when you know as soon as i thought of them then yeah. i was completely excited about the idea um so that's how okay that's how that okay and by then they they knew that i was a fan right <laughs> okay okay so the idea An though, active, of, right active fan right so the idea of a covers album didn't excite you at first, but the idea of doing one with these guys, that got you excited, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I can see that because yes. the sound that, I mean, it's obviously very kind of folky and uh, lots of, you know, strings. It's it's just so String gorgeous. Yeah. Yes. And I'm wondering, I'm sure, I'm imagining if I'm you guys, I'm imagining just you guys chopping at the bit. We could do almost anything we wanted to any song we like and make it our own and have it be kind yeah. of different and special. And so obviously I got to know how you settled on what you did. Automatic being the first single, but there's, you know, there's everything on here. Days, ocean, rain. Let me roll it. You gave me something I understand You gave me
that's the one out of nowhere. I was, I can't, I, I, well, it took me by surprise. I'm a, I'm a huge Wings fan, yeah. and that and Jet are my two favorite Wings yeah. songs. So all of the songs, basically, the way that we sort of came to it was just songs that, for whatever reason, are on heavy rotation for me, mm-hmm. just run through my head and 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 I wanted it so it's sort of part part inspiration, part exorcism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just to sort of get these things out there that run through my head constantly. These songs that I live with. You know, every single song on this album comes uh, at least weekly. Mm-hmm. I'm humming oh, yeah. or it's huh. in there. Um for whatever reason. So that sort of was the theme of it. And and it's not, you know, we, we started with a maybe a list of like 15 possibilities, and these are the ones that rose to the surface okay. of that. And how does something um, rise to the Every single surface? one of these songs is, is, is a song that that is deeply important to me. Really? For one reason or other. Huh. Yeah. Uh, I, I, let's talk about Ocean Rain. Again, and now my hurricanes have brought down this ocean rain to bathe me again. My ships a sail, can you hear its tender frame screaming from beneath the waves? Screaming from beneath the waves All hands on deck at dawn Sailing to sadder shores Your port in my heavy storms Harbors the I mean, I love Echo and the Bunnymen mm-hmm. too. I'm sure you do too. Why, like, yes. and that song, that album especially, I can hear what you what you were probably hearing too. That it lends itself to the sisters and the sound that they create. But what was mm-hmm. the mean, deeper meaning for you? What made you decide this? I got to get this out of my head. It's just that that I, that song. I just yeah. It, that is one of the most I feel like just centrally evocative songs. Yes. <laughs> that yes. I've ever heard and you know it just you feel like you're on a boat mm-hmm. you know an old creaky boat yeah. in the middle of the ocean when you yeah. listen to that song and it's just also such a beautiful it's got such a lullaby mm-hmm. quality to it mm-hmm. that's one of my sort of falling asleep songs that uh, okay. Okay. I had and I did actually sing it to my kids when they were babies really? Um, oh, what a great yeah. mom! I love that. Okay, <laughs> nice. That's important to me for on a number of levels. So. Yeah, when you, um, I mean, do you guys go into this? For instance, I had 
I had Juliana Hatfield on here last year, and she's put out some excellent covers albums recently, too. We were talking yeah. about her police yeah. album and stuff. And I'm always curious when you go into these things, if you're thinking, do you pick your favorite songs and just think, I'm going to go with my favorites? Or do you pick songs that you think you can tweak just enough or add just enough to to make them kind of interesting? Or is a little bit of both? What's your philosophy so, when you go into this? Um, this one, so this was like, I actually and possibly in a foolhardy manner went into this just picking my favorites mm. and then when we got down to it i was just like oh jesus these are some of my not just some of my favorite songs but some of my favorite vocal performances uh, of yeah. all time yeah. and i didn't really understand the gravity of that uh-huh. until i had to sing uh-huh. <laughs> and then realized like oh jesus how am i gonna sing a song that linda ronstadt already perfected and like one of, you know, my favorite Neil Finn songs mm. that he just really just shows off his incredible yeah. vocal range. Uh, you know, just so I went into it sort of like, oh, I love this song and I love mm-hmm. the way. And then just when we got down to it, I was like, oh, shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> but at the end of it, I just sort of tried to plug into what I love about it and not worry about living up to the perfection of the original <laughs> good good you know you have to yeah. yeah so what didn't make the cut i'm really curious and did you record songs that didn't make the cut and you only picked your no, nine no. favorites did, or nothing what? nothing was recorded that didn't make the cut mm. and honestly the ones that didn't make the cut were actually other like you know a different mary margaret song uh, or a, okay. you know okay like yeah so okay. something like yeah. okay well, uh, and then one of the songs, actually, oh, one of the songs there on the subject of Bill Janovitz, "Kid" is a song that the Bill's wife Laura suggested. dinner and I told her I was thinking of doing this thing and she sort of said uh, I was like do you think what do you think do you have any ideas and she said kid and it was <laughs> it was very relevant to a conversation and about something that we were both living through at the time so oh. um that one is a nod to uh wow to 
my dear friend Laura. Nice. Oh, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> great. I love all these behind the scenes stories. So what's the plan now? I mean, do you obviously everything is what it is because of where we are in the world right now. But if things were normal or maybe when they get back to normal, is the plan eventually <laughs> for you guys and the sisters to go out and play some shows or what do you think? Yeah, we did have some stuff booked for this summer, which we have postponed, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure at this point, one of the sisters is just about to, Sarah's about to have a baby in mm -hmm. a few weeks. And Ariel has a very young child and we all have stuff to Like We're not in a position to, tour mm -hmm. but and neither I, I don't think that we would choose that to be honest mm. i don't know but we we did have some shows lined up and we are planning on supporting it as we can in the fall however things open up okay. here I, okay. I you know I, I just really it's just a funny one because to be honest with you behind mm. the scenes people you know there are a lot of like postponements and we'll do this mm -hmm. then but mm -hmm. th the conversations are more around is this what what do you think is yeah. this going to happen yeah. when do you see us ever doing anything again right <laughs> in front of people you know, know it's yeah. just in terms of when it's yeah. going to to be feasible an actual real uh, tangible plan that yeah. we can really count on i just don't know when that's going to happen yeah and no one does right i know <laughs> so they don't it, it, yeah and there's so many it's, i mean you know this there's so everything many, there's so it's much. so weird to live in a purely hypothetical world right now hypothetical everything. world that is perfectly said yes Be, because what i was going to say is that so no one knows for sure. There's information coming from all levels. And you you don't know how... To, do you carry on catering to the people who are most afraid or the people who are le least afraid? Because you yeah. can't win with everybody. So, And if you go one way right. and others are mad or they die or something bad happens, is, yeah. it, on, is it your responsibility? Well, that's, and that's part of it. Right. And part of my thing right now is I don't want to be responsible... Right. I don't want to have a hand in, in bringing people into a room together until oh. it's really, really clear that we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this, this is going to be an interesting time of really learning how to respect people in a way that is daily active, that is a mm -hmm. daily practice, mm -hmm. a daily practice of respecting other people's boundaries and yeah. instincts around what we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. planning shows involves a huge dose of that respect right, and right. concern. My fear, though, I mean, kind of like you were saying, let's say you decide that there's enough people out there that I feel okay putting on a show again. But then there are going to be fans or people who think that's a really terrible idea. And you have to... You have to deal with that. You have to deal with the fallout and the criticism of that. Not right. to, I'm talking about anyone, not just not you, but any sports team, any anybody. You know, right? And which so, is where the which right, but which is sort of where you know, if an artist makes that choice, and the people who go to that show make that choice, then you need to respect that right, choice. Right. Yes. However, you feel about it. Mm -hmm. 
if an artist decides not to play until winter mm-hmm. for the you know on the other side of it you have to respect that so, you know there's just yeah. everyone has to be very calm and patient right right around it's true and this extends to everything anybody yeah is going to be deciding moving forward that's true yeah it's so true um, okay, let's talk about music again for a minute. Okay, good. Um, now, I want to dive into your whole career, but I'm going to kick it off with something that is a little more of, of an obscurity because one of the songs that I love most in this world is Jerry, Judy Staring at the Sun. And the magic oh. of that song is you. Oh my God, that's so sweet. It's true. Well, that, that's oh, that's a very kind thing to say, but that band, oh my can gosh. we talk about? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I know, because yeah. such a fantastic, just an amazing band. Yes, uh, and I love it them. Was, you know, yeah, yeah, I love them, and I loved them before we toured with them, but... Mm. Honestly, just seeing them live every night was just, you know, mm-hmm. they just have that beautiful chemistry. Yes. That is, you know, when you see a band that has it, it's you recognize it immediately. And yeah. They're yeah, I amazing. I love them. Um, their first Me album, too. especially, I think, is that's up there as one of just my all-time favorites. It's perfection from beginning mm-hmm. to end, but. I, uh, as far as, and we're talking about Catherine Wheel here, folks, for anyone who doesn't know, but the, uh, they're maybe my, my favorite song of theirs or the song that just really gets me every time is Judy. And it's because of the way you mm-hmm. two sound together. I had David Hawes, their bass player on here last year and we were talking and I was just so curious if they're, I want like a whole duets album, you know, I want Rob and <laughs> Tanya doing everything because that is just so sugary sweet it's perfect and i didn't realize until getting ready to talk to you that originally that was more of a duet and the single version's the duet and you were stripped off of everything but the chorus on the album do i have this right what's the story yeah i don't know what i don't know why the decisions were made it was i mean that there's certainly nothing odd about it i don't think i think it was just more I think it makes sense because in in the context of an album to all of a sudden have another lead vocal is can be very jarring. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense in as far as the uh, you know the the 
album as a whole to just have me singing backups. If it were my, you know, my decision, I might make the same one because I understand that throwing a duet suddenly in the middle of, especially a band that had such, you know, that were locked into their thing mm-hmm. and they had such a perfect formula mm-hmm. to all of a sudden have somebody else kind of jumping in could be, mm. you know, like, just peeing in the pool a little bit. No, I don't know. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying. Whereas if, you're, if it's just, you know, having the single yeah. stand as a standalone, then it makes sense. I think it's actually, I think it's actually a very smart decision on their part. Uh, yeah, but I, I feel like another smart decision would be to have Catherine Wheel and Tanya Donnelly do a whole album together. You know, I just you singing though. Not that your own music isn't great too, but oh, I love two right. great tastes. The cut tastes great together. You know what I mean? It's uh, anyway. Okay, so were you miffed by the way that all that worked out? It sounds like maybe you've just come to terms with it in through maturity or whatever. No, not at all. Okay. No, 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 not at all. No, not at the time. It's it's very. You know, I am. It's kind of hard to piss me off, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also, and the, and especially when somebody's, you know, people are making decision about their decisions about their own work. Uh, clearly, that's nothing to do mm. with me. And I, you know, we were all we toured after that. Our tour happened after that, and we were very good friends, all of us. So no, nothing, mm. nothing weird in that okay. arena. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. Just curious. At least not musically. So. Right, right. Okay, okay. All right, well, let's let's go back a little ways. Let's go back in time here for a minute. I reached out to, I let some of my Patreons know that you guys, that I was going to be talking to you, and a couple of people sent in some questions. And I wanted to, I thought a couple of them were really good. One of them in particular, Brian Weingarten wants to know, and I had this same thought. When you, I mean, you're, you're a founding member of three in, really important and landmark bands, especially as it, not just in terms of like 80s or 90s alternative rock, but for women the as well. punk era. <laughs> yes, yes, you know this. Yeah. <laughs> and he wanted to know, do you change up the way that you play guitar specifically per which band it is? You know, did you start, I'm, I'm imagining with Throwing Muses, you're young, this is what I do. Breeders maybe want something different. Maybe Belly called for something different. How do you change all that up? Um, absolutely. Yes. Mm, Because, uh, you know, and that's a really good question, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) No, but really, honestly, this is, that is a, that's a very good question. It's something that I, you know, that I, in hindsight, I notice at the time I did not. And let me, let me actually turn the mirror towards the people that I've played Mm. with. Some of my favorite players are, you know, sort of, they're very invested in the song and the songwriting and they play mm-hmm. around the song and they pay attention to the words and they pay attention to the, not just the structure of it, but the whole of the song. And that is something that is important to me. You know, what does, not to sound hippy dippy, mm-hmm. but like, mm-hmm. what does this song need and mm-hmm. what does it say and how do I play around it and how do I, how do I become part of it? instead of just adding another layer, you know, and, and that's something that playing with Kristen and Kim as my two, the two people that I, you know, sort of broke my teeth with Mm -hmm. those two women, Mm -hmm. you know, this sort of like, 
the mass of Kristen's music playing in and out, weaving in and out of that. And then just the, you know, the sort of stark beauty of Kim's songs. very differently with both of those people um, because they're very different songwriters and you know I, I mean ideally I hope that there's a sort of an overarching you know mm-hmm. sound or style sure. that I have but Absolutely. for the most part I'm focusing on on not just who who is the songwriter I'm playing with but what is the song that this songwriter brought today mm. what does that what does that uh, mean servicing the song yeah basically. what does that right. mean yeah. yeah and 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 also like i you know i have a very uh, melody sort of follows me around it just mm. everywhere every day mm-hmm. and so like and so there's that too i'm a melod you know i i respond to whatever i'm hearing melodically too mm-hmm. okay yeah, I was curious, and that, I mean, I thought that was a really interesting question. I mean, you're a founding, it's so important, everything you've done, and these bands share some common threads, women, post-punk, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, and so, yeah, how do you change it up? So let's... Yeah, and then um, and then moving on to Belly, like...
what was fun, you know, what was sort of great with belly is that I suddenly had this freedom to not be playing lead, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. so, Tom is an amazing lead guitarist, but then he and I would trade off leads and, and that was sort of my first call and response relationship mm-hmm. as far as guitars go. Like, you know, he, I would play something and then mm-hmm. he would play something in response. Like we had, mm-hmm. you know, this sort of, and he primarily was the lead guitar player of, of Billy, but I played a lot of leads where we were either playing simultaneously and harmonically, or I would play a lead and then he would pick it up and then I would pick it up. And mm-hmm. that was my first sort of, you know, conversational guitar yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> relationship with anyone. So that was a whole different level of, okay. of playing. Okay. Okay, I, from an outsider's perspective, I'm going to ask you to kind of clarify this for us. Uh, from an outsider's perspective, it could be viewed as uh, either either Tanya has is really restless, and that's why she bounces from all these different projects, or she is very curious. You know, I've done everything I could think of in throwing muses, so I'm going to try breeders, and then I'm going to try belly, and then I'm going to do my solo thing, and... Or it's, are you chasing something? You know, is there like a sound in your head and you've got to get it out? What's at the, mm. what's the motivation for the different, you know, different projects, different chapters of your musical history? Well, many things can be true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I feel like every... Uh, it, on paper, it looks, I know that, it, I know it looks like I, you know, that I'm flighty and that uh-huh. I flee <laughs> right. as soon as something yeah. is uh, established. Uh-huh. I'm a startup person. I feel like every situation, all three of those bands are so different in mm-hmm. how, you know, for instance, I left. When I left the Muses, it was because I, you know, our, 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 dynamic up to the point that I left was that Kristen was by far the more prolific writer. And so it had never, there'd never been any any real tension around how many songs and who was Mm going to have this many songs and blah, blah, blah. It just sort of naturally fell into, she would write a hundred (laughs) and I would write 10. (laughs) And then it got, and then I started, you know, I just started writing more and I think it just was clear to all of us that you know, I needed a different outlet and it was very fine. Mm. You know, there was no contention when I left that band. And then with the breeders, it, that was just sort of a, a matter of logistics. It, and the breeder, you know, when we first formed it, the first album would be Kim's songs mm. and the second album was going to be mine. And in fact, the demos for star, Belly's first album, mm-hmm. the demos from Fort Apache say Breeders on them. Really? Because those songs were supposed to be the second Breeders album. No way. But then she had a like a you know a year long tour with the Pixies coming mm-hmm. up, and we had a v- conversation. And again, mm-hmm. pathetic, fine, where I just said I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of my life, you know, because at that point in your life, you just feel like time just. You know. <laughs> Now's the time. Your, yeah. your early 20s, there's no sure. such thing as waiting a year for anything. No, <laughs> um, that's a long time. So that's when I went back to Rhode Island and formed Belly. And then the Belly, the, you know, the Belly 
breakup was that one is more complicated because that mm-hmm. was a a lot of external voices and pressures that okay. played into that one. But you know, okay. again, that that reunion, yeah, kind of was the was the cured us of good, all of those good. lingering ailments. Okay, so. good. Because you can understand <laughs> again from a from an outsider like me. Throwing Muses comes along and finally on that one album, not too soon, gets some attention. It's the poppiest thing the band's ever done. And there's a video and you wrote that song. You've only really been featured on a couple of songs, maybe per album up to that point. And so an yeah, outsider who's but, creating a narrative might be thinking, oh, now Tanya finally feels empowered to go do her own thing. And yes, no, Raiders doesn't not last very long. And but, actually, okay. it wasn't that, it was not. That's not I it. know that that's what it looks like. No, uh-huh. that's not it. It okay. was because before we actually, in the studio, before that album came out, you know, I had, we decided to split in the studio making that album. Mm, so really? it has nothing okay. to do with okay. how well Not Too Soon did. And not the chorus of Not Too Soon was co-written with Kristen's father. Oh. So that, that, that is not, okay. like that very much belong, you know, the, the chorus of that song belongs in that okay. camp in a very familial and entrenched way. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, so then, but then, uh, you know, conversely, Belly, first album's huge. The second one kind of tanks a little bit and it's all said and done. I I would have assumed that there would be more of an appetite for Belly to stick, stick around a little longer, but. It, well, yeah. And it had, it didn't really have much. It, I mean, it had some, it, it didn't have anything to do with our disappointments around, but you know, it's funny because like. King did not do as well as Star, but it still sold quite a Mm -hmm. you know a Mm -hmm. few hundred thousand albums.
that, you know, if you think about it relatively, <laughs> we weren't dismayed by the performance of that album. It was more, and, and honestly, that wouldn't be, that's no one's reason to break up unless oh. they're just focused on something that shouldn't be focused on anyway. We were in a bad place okay. before that. And, you know, it's, it, I just, well, I didn't, I read it a couple of weeks ago, like Kathy Valentine's memoir. And yeah. She has this moment where she talks about, you know, if we had just been more generous of spirit, if we had just given mm -hmm. a little bit of ground mm -hmm. each, yeah. it would have been a totally different story. And that's how I feel about the first belly breakup. It was mm -hmm. just like, you know, if we had just each yeah. just given a little bit more, right. you know, some more than others, obviously. Yeah, every, yeah. Every situation is yeah. imbalanced, but yeah. you know, it's just it, when you're that young in a situation like that, and some of it ha does have to do with who is in your camp at the time, too. True, you know, true. it was just a just okay. a tricky time. Okay, we've worked, we've worked through it. Good, we're good. Good. Like, and, and you know, part of it too is like we're all from the same hometown. Our families live in each other's pockets, yeah. and there's there's no way that we can that we could be you know maintain any distance, right? <laughs> right. For, forever. Okay. Okay. Happily. Um, Happily. Tell us uh, now. Obviously, you being signed to Four AD is a big deal because you're the first U.S. band being signed. And uh, <laughs> my understanding anyway, and that, I mean, they're one of the most formidable uh, labels in history. You know a yeah. 4AD song or artist when you hear it. I always think of them as being like, yeah. I think of the Cocteau Twins as probably being like the pinnacle of the 4AD sound. That's just me. I don't know. But um, <laughs> what, yeah. what, brought you two together how did you know how how did this happen how did they decide that you guys were the ones they wanted we kind of discovered the cocteau twins when we started playing providence when we were teenagers mm -hmm. um we had a, we had a pretty significant RISD following rhode island school of design students right. and the cocktails were a pretty big they were sort of the soundtrack for Rizzi at the uh, time. Okay. So we were, we discovered them through some of those those people. And then also I had some hometown friends who were uh. very, very... My friend Ty in particular was a huge Cocteau Twins mm. fan and introduced me to them. And Kristen, it was... This was like... This is, you know, 100% driven by Kristen at the time. She sent Ivo the demo that we had made with Gary Smith. And... He, he, I mean, to his credit, listened to every cassette that passed his desk at that time, wow. which is extraordinary. Yeah, I don't care. And loved it and mm -hmm. started a conversation with Kristen and at the time said to her that he wasn't signing American bands, but that he would like to sort of advocate for it, you know, mm. to help us be a liaison and help mm -hmm. us shop it around. So he, he actually reached out to some labels you know, wasn't feeling happy about what he was hearing back and neither was Kristen. And um, so eventually just sort of said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. 
So it was, and you know, I don't know what the timeline of that was, but it couldn't have been more than six months huh. and probably less, probably much less. So, uh, yeah. And so that was the, that's the love story of 4D. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm imagining you guys, and I, I'm totally projecting, but based on what I'm sensing is your style and mu uh, st uh, favorite, like style of music and I've always aligned myself with similar with that same kind of style. I'm imagining them flying you out to London or something and you're hanging out in the offices and <laughs> you're just like, I cannot, I mean, there's modern English over there. There's, you know, you sang on the This Mortal Coil album. You're, I'm just imagining yeah. you feeling like I'm in heaven here. This is all, you know, so oh, much God, of my yes. favorite music is happening in this yes. building, you know? Yes. And it did. There were those, you know, those days were very surreal because, yeah, I mean, Dave and Kristen went over first okay. to talk to the, actually, David went over first and then Kristen after. But yeah, by the time we, when we went over for the first tour, it was just, it's just, it was, I remember those days so, so, so fondly. <laughs> um, it, it was very magical and that first Muses and Pixies tour yeah. The cock, you know, Robin and Elizabeth, it just kind of came yeah. to just fall, you know, sort of, yeah. they were in Paris, they were in Amsterdam, they would just come see you. It was just such a supportive oh. musical family. There was, there was no contention, there was no, you know, jealousy, there was no, Yeah. it was just this beautiful family for a while back wow. then, um, you know, when it with us and the Pixies and the Cocktoes and Diftas and Wolfgang Press and yes. it's just, oh, just such yes. a such a lovely bunch of yeah. people. You know, we walked into just many open arms and it was something that I hadn't experienced up to that point and it yeah. was really lovely. Do you have an Elizabeth Fraser story? Um, did you interact with her very much? Did you ever have a conversation? Yeah. Tell us something about I oh, just yeah, yeah. she's like royalty Definitely. to me. You know, and um, she's so fragile and mysterious that it makes you even love her more because you're just so endeared to her. What I want you to be okay, Elizabeth. You know, so tell us an Elizabeth Fraser. Okay, good. Oh, good, good, good. Okay. No, she was one of the people that you know. She was at so many music shows, and she was, you know, again like came, traveled with us to Paris, and uh -huh. came to they it just was so supportive and just she's funny as hell really she's God. very w sort of tough mm -hmm. in the best possible way you know kind yeah. lovely huggy which good. i love good <laughs> oh that's great um, yeah just a, a really a deeply good person good and she's one of the people that i feel like you know, added to some of our confidence in those first mm -hmm. years, just mm -hmm. being there and someone mm -hmm. that we loved and support. There's nothing like, there is just nothing like someone that you admire showing up for you. Yeah. You know, and that's something I think about a lot. Mm -hmm. It's precious. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's invaluable to have yeah. that. I could see that. I've never been able to see the Cocteau Twins live or anything like that, but um, oh, God. I am. Is it? Oh man! Oh my God! It's yeah, above and beyond. It. I believe it. It just it just flushes everything out. You know, it just yeah. the live thing is just like just a bath. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. <laughs> so, yes. So yes. You just like dive in and swim in it. I uh, I did see Massive Attack 
came through, I live in Denver and came through Denver. Oh, it's probably been five or six years ago now. And um, Elizabeth came up on stage and sang a couple of those songs, as did some of the other vocalists like Horace Andy and stuff who sang on those songs. And it was just, it was like I said, it was like royalty walked in the room. I cannot believe Elizabeth Fraser is here on stage, you know, in front of me. But um, that was it. That's my only Elizabeth Fraser yeah. experience. Yeah. So. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Her voice is a yeah, her throat is one of my favorite instruments. That's it. That's it. So tell me more. I mean, so back then, I, again, I'm just, a, you talking about like Echo and the Bunnymen and how much Ocean Rain means to you and things like that. Back then, you had to have been, I'm imagining you went on tour with some of your very favorite musicians or at least hung out with them or, you know, rubbed shoulders or whatever. What are some of your favorite stories from back then? When you look back over this crazy career of yours, what were the times when you met a hero or you had a really good show or you went to a party and there's Ian McCulloch over there or whatever it is, what are some of these stories? Uh, this is going to be boring because I, uh, I am actually pretty badly shy. Uh, so I don't approach people right. as much as, you know, others might. David Byrne, I uh -huh, hung out with one night, um, yes. because He came to a belly show because he was, big fan of the first album and and that was a wonderful experience mm. uh but you know it's it, it's just i wasn't really the person that's gonna cross the room to uh -huh. to make a point of meeting one of my heroes uh -huh. <laughs> and uh -huh. in fact there are times when i flat out ran away from them because yeah. <laughs> because that you know i'm so odd so I, I don't have a lot of fantastic mm. backstage stories okay to be okay. honest with you, like I, you know, I mean, I've I've been in many situations with people that I loved and admired, and I'm also, to be honest, some of those days were a little fuzzy, substance substance yeah. fueled, and so <laughs> yeah, those aren't stories that I'm necessarily excited to tell. Okay, so. okay, okay, <laughs> I understand that. Um, I, you know, I. I don't, I don't know, but was that an issue for a while? In fact, yeah, I think, was, didn't I hear, yeah. did, I, did I read somewhere that you got clean and, and kind of had like a spiritual rebirth or something like that, right? It was less dramatic than that. I, I oh. just went through a stage when I lived in London of, I had a drug, you know, I had a mm. couple of drug issues, pretty yeah. significant when I lived in London. And that's no secret. Uh -huh. It happens. <laughs> I'm not revealing yeah. anything. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> they would know if you were lying. Okay. <laughs> there was a, you know, I had a, a, a two year uh, long weekend, let's mm. say, that I pulled out of. And I wouldn't say it was a spiritual awakening so much as a, a physical awakening of mm. just really understanding that my body and my mind were as all of us, mm -hmm. as, a, as with all of us, are dependent on each other. Yeah. And I can't think without physical health. And that, you know, on, on a level that, on any kind of functional level. And so that's, you know, I just pulled myself back to a place okay. that I could handle. But, okay, you know. good, good. And, and again, I've had so many, I have so many friends who've been in 
been in real rehab around this no, and and no. i'm not gonna i don't want to claim that same territory but you know i okay. i would stop just short of that so. okay good well good for you and i mean you well no <laughs> well good for, you for cutting you know going yeah. a little turkey or whatever we all got to overcome our demons somehow we've all mm -hmm. got them you know um some are drugs some are other things you, uh, yeah, right. Well, it was it was drug it was drugs for, yeah. for me. I'm not a, you know I'm not a hundred percent sober. I just oh. I, that it was just all it was very much. Um, I had I had a very specific issue. Oh, okay, so. okay. Well, we'll leave it at that. We're, and our minds Thank can uh, our imaginations <laughs> can do what they do. Okay, good to know. But you've been clean for a while. And the thing I want the kind of the point of all this is that. You mentioned, like, how many kids? You've been married for a while, right, to Dean? And uh, yes, I, I assume yeah, you're still been married? Well, we, yeah, we have been together for me. 24, 24 years, 24. Okay. Wait, speak to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't We've let him hear this. for a very long time. He's, he's my, he's my, you know. He's your guy. forever person. Yeah. And you, how many, do you have kids? We do. We have a 21-year-old, and we have a 14-year-old. Wow. And uh, what's their life like growing up with, like, a rock star for a mom? What do you think? It, it depends on who, on which one you're talking to at which point. Really? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so our oldest daughter, Gracie, who is the 21-year-old, she traveled. She toured with us for you know, five years, up until she was about five when she started school. And then, you know, she spent a lot of time on the road and backstage. And the younger one has a, has a little bit less experience with that, but she's also been there and she's been on, you know, fully on site for most of it. I think they have different perspectives on it. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, like all kids, their relationship with us is what our family experiences and what they experience in our house and under our care. And it's the rest, all of the rest of it is just peripheral to that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a, it's just kind of like a, like a tangential experience of okay. us. It's okay. not their yeah. primary, it's not their primary experience of us. And so, which is what I, you know, which is what I want to be the case I don't you know I want them our house is focused on them and the raising of them and you know it's us as a team yeah. I want them to have their own experiences in their right. own life and make their own choices and have it be based on what who they are yeah. not based on who I am have they followed your lead into music at all um they both play and they okay. both write songs but they're not lifers okay even a little oh wow okay <laughs> So, which is, and again, I just have my focus has always been, who are you and what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they are figuring, and they are 100% figuring That's that huge. out. Much, much to my pride, Good. That's, <laughs> to be honest. I think, uh, yeah. I think about, I mean, I'm, you know, in my mid forties and I think about that a lot. If I hadn't, if I'd grown up and my parents were great, relatively uh, speaking, but I do wonder that if you're. If you grew up without, say, you know, 
God is an influence or your what your parents do for a living as an influence or their political views versus your own as an influence who would you grow up to right. be without all of that outside interference you know how who right. what do I want to do how do I yeah, feel about this exactly and you know I speaking as someone who I love my parents and I always will and I, I they're actually really interesting wonderful people but they had you know they were teenagers when I was born so they you know, there's a certain amount of young, youth in my youth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, youth raising youth. And so there is a part of me that does sort of focus on on that, like just stepping back. Mm -hmm. And that's, it, it's one of the perks of being an old parent. <laughs> right, right. It's just like, you know, having having enough stuff under my belt that I actually can stand back and just be like, all right, it's your turn. Mm -hmm. This is you. This is right. about you now. Right. And... I, and I want to see what you, who you are and yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. We try to touch on kind of the business side of things on here very sensitively. And I'm curious, have you, do you, you know, do you pay your bills through you and Dean's music careers? Or does Dean do something else? Do you do something else? I think you were a doula for We've, a while. Uh, yep. And I, and I, uh, up until, you know, the last belly tour sort of, put things aside a little bit, but not, mm. but quarantine has really ended. Yeah. dried up my work yeah, <laughs> right, right. as it has for 70% of this country. Yep. Um, but Dean is also a music teacher and oh. uh, drums, but we do pay. Yes, we do. Um, still support okay. ourselves. Music is the primary music, primarily. And yeah. then, but then we, you know, the, the, we do, we have day jobs. also. So. Okay. Okay. Yours being the doula and him being a music teacher. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yep. <clears throat> okay. I always find stuff like that interesting. Uh, yeah. Speaking of families. Yeah, and, it is. I know. It is interesting. Well, because we're so used to, you know, that's why I started this thing five years ago, because we assume that rock stars lead a very specific kind of life and that it's always, you know, uh, champagne and first class and ho hotels and all this kind of stuff. And it so is not that way. And, uh, no, you know, almost never. <laughs> right. I mean, a few chosen few, like, maybe, even, but even in, else. My, even in my hate, even at the pinnacle of, you know, when things were quote unquote, you know, successful, uh -huh. like nothing is ever what it's, you know, oh. it's especially for an indie musician. Like it, it's just not. No. And, it's not uh, that. No, but we <laughs> assume it is because we see the videos and everyone looks good and Tanya's pretty and she's got her makeup done just so and her hair done so and that outfit me. is fashionable. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, we just figure that it's no. you know, just money is falling, you know, avalanching yeah. into your life all day. But, yeah, yeah, I know, but that was, that was uh, all of that stuff. Is so, yeah. you know, if I could just, the, the one of the, I will tell you, that I don't have a lot of regrets because what's A, what's the point? Sure. And B, I just don't. Uh -huh. um, but I just also feel like the, the, I do, the one thing that I would love to go back and revamp is I would just, I would not have made some of those videos. So really? It's just, yeah, because it's, it's just the money that went uh -huh. into just the money. The money and the... Yeah, well, those are the, the days, the, though. You know, invest, you know, just, three quarters of a million bucks in a video, you, they think you're going to make it back. 
It, it, not everyone except, did, but except, yeah, that's except, what they thought. But, but the most interesting, the most interesting videos that have ever been made are the are con are all concept. Yeah, it's all concept, yeah. which you can do for zero dollars. That's true. That's true. So okay, that's true. Um, okay, two last yeah. questions. One, and if you tell okay. you tell me if there's if there's not a story here, <laughs> then. Dean is uh, telling me that we've been together. Wait, wait. We've been together for 27 years. 27 years. My, my number is 27 years. Boy. And we have been. Yeah. Okay. okay. So there it's you go. rare that the guy knows that, you know? I know. It's so bad. <laughs> he's Good for my, him. He's my chronologist. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> The official people keeper his, of the time. Yeah, the historian of the of the rock family. Okay, got it. Um, that's great. Uh, okay, now tell, so tell. There may or may not be a story here. My understanding, <laughs> you and Kirsten obviously stepsisters. I think I read somewhere that you two were friends before you became related with each other. Is this is that true? Yeah. And if you yes, like, we introduced our parents. I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, that, okay, so introduced is different yeah. than like my dad had an affair with her mom or whatever it, whatever it, no, 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 you no. know, seediness it, it could have been. Our, our parents had divorced by that time. Okay. There, there's no scandal involved. They just, okay. um, they just hooked up. Okay. You two are like 12 was, years old or something and you're saying, you, you know, we should introduce our, our single parents to each other? I honestly don't know. No. Oh, God, no. No. Oh, okay. And in fact, that, that, you know, they're both. Her mother and my father are both wonderful people, but not oh. well matched. Okay. And they have so they been, didn't stay you know. together. Oh no 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 no. Oh. My they 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 uh they divorced and found more suitable situations for oh. themselves. Okay. You know, I mean, it just it was just a like you know, there's no just a mismatch. That's okay. all. Okay. And one of those things, you know, sometimes you have to not an unhappy necessarily a tragic situation but just uh i mean what we all do right? yeah right right <laughs> okay i just wondered if there was yeah. kind of a juicy story there and uh no like there's, there's no juicy story okay. sorry okay. that's okay, <laughs> just a, okay. Just a, yeah that's all right it's better that way they, for they, you um, anyway <laughs> they, it was good and then it wasn't got it okay. that's all <laughs> okay now lastly um I just want to know what your favorite memory is. When you look back on all of this, you know, 35 or so years in music, doing it your way, interacting with whoever, what is the, what is just your favorite memory of all of this? Hearing yourself on a radio or a good show, or I don't know what, but tell me what, when you just look I mean, back, what is it? There's a lot of them. There were, really? there's so many of them. I mean, definitely, yes, hearing yourself on the radio for the first time. God. What was it? Just, what did you hear on the radio a, first? It was from a self-released single that we put out, and I think it was Bird of Paradise.
was like a one of those like midnight college radio uh-huh. shows. Um, nice. But yeah, I'm pretty sure I think okay. I know what I'm talking about right now. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm like digging deep right now. <laughs> and then you know, then just the favorite memories from the first Pixies tour. Mm. It was so wonderful, and just being part of this Providence scene early on just felt so good and I just had I I mean I've had a lot of really good moments to be honest and I just I'm grateful for all of them but I can't pick one okay okay meeting my I mean meeting my life partner on the Julian Hatfield belly tour of Australia and Japan I guess I have to that one you know just finding Dean yeah good good for (laughs) you that's a great answer yeah so what what is your what is your primary I was gonna say job maybe that's the wrong one but like is belly your top priority is the new the new mm. sisters album is that the top priority is it oh we're planning a muses reunion soon and that's your, you know what is your <laughs> when you wake up in the morning what is the most important thing you got to take care of that day these days my family well sure sure (laughs) um uh, musically i would say right now i'm writing songs i've written a few songs with gail from belly and so i'm really focused on that i'm working on a project with my friend brian uh, of dylan and the movies we're we're working on a project together i'm doing the sunday series i have um the parkington's album of course is paramount um Mm -hmm. and then just planning what the belly and we were working on a festival that we were going to mm-hmm. do this summer, the belly people. Um, and we're still working on how to push that back that, that we had a whole big Rhode Island festival. We were mm-hmm. curating, mm-hmm. um, which we still plan to do, uh, at some point. It's not, there's no, nothing, you know, it really does. I wake up in the morning and it's sort of like, what is my job today? Yeah. And what needs to be done And what's the work that needs to be done today? Like anybody's yeah. job. So there's nothing that really, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm barreling towards 54 and so everything is balanced (laughs) in a way that never, you know. (laughs) True. Yeah. Well, I didn't know if you were, you know, we, if you're thinking, well, we, we've got this Parkington sisters album, but the majority of my time is focused on belly. No, the Parkington's album, obviously, because that's the thing that's happening next is absolutely. Yeah. The focus and, you know, the exciting thing for me right okay. now. Okay, okay. Um, but, you know, the sisters would also say yeah. that they have other things going on. You know, we all, every, every, everyone's yeah. Just a bunch a of various of projects. I just wondered which one yeah, kind of dominated right. your time. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, thanks for talking with me, Tanya. I, um, no, I've had a fascination no, with you for a long time. time. Yes, absolutely. And I love the new album. And I'm so happy that all the requests I've gotten for you over the years, people get to hear us talk. And um, so thank you for Dude. taking some time with me. It means a lot. All right. Well, thank you so much. There you have it, Tanya Donnelly. I hope you guys heard a lot of good stuff in there. I don't know how well you know Tanya, Tanya, but her stuff is great. I mean, everyone knows that Belly album, but the early Throwing Muses, that first Breeders album, and especially the new album with the Parkinson sisters. Speaking of which, we're closing it out here with Suffer the Fools, which is off that Belly uh, reunion album that came out a couple years ago called Dove. It's great. 
Now, speaking of that Parkinson Sisters album, we're going to be giving away two copies of the CD. And in order to do that, you have to be a tier one member of our Patreon page, which means you donate two bucks, two bucks a month. You set it, forget it, that's it. The link to do that is in the show description right here. Just tap on it. We're only going to be picking from people who are $2 uh, donators, tier one donators to the Patreon page. So I want to give you a little bit of time to sign up if you want so you can win the CD. We're going to pick two people at random this Sunday evening, and I will be communicating who those people are on Patreon, okay? So if you want to win the CD, hop on there, set it up to donate two bucks a month. Hopefully that's not too much, and it puts you in the running to win anything we have. Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man Makevich, my right-hand man, for all that you do. Thank you, buddy, for doing this with me. Now, next week's guest... We have another producer, a British producer. I, this guy's not a household name, so I don't know if you know who he is. He was also a keyboardist uh, back in like the 80s and a lot of synth pop stuff. So you guys know we love having producers on here. Here's another fantastic one. A lot of that British synth stuff from the 80s, that's what this guy was involved in. I think you're going to want to come back and hear this because it's a really great conversation. You guys know how to find us by now. You can send us a message on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Uh, we should, if if schedules align, have another deep dive bonus episode for you this weekend, which is going to be great. Big 80s band who came out of the gate with a huge debut album and then a total sophomore slump on the second album, but the fans actually prefer the second album to the first one, okay? Hopefully I've, I've teased enough that you're tantalized, all right? Thanks you, thank you, everybody. We love you. I'm ready.